Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, music fans and upstanding citizens. My name is Joe Armstrong, and this is Independence Day, the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth reviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Dorian Taj. Chicago's Dorian Taj has indie rock bona fides for which a lot of artists would trade their black Converse high tops. He got his start in a hardcore punk band, has worked with Bob Mould, released records on Steve Albini's imprint over the course of his several album career, and he knows his way around in a conoline. But he's more than just a pretty face grimacing at a low-slung guitar. Taj also has a way with a song, and he serves up just the right amount of crafty writing to elevate his music above the noisy fray. His vocals are delivered in a Dylan meets Westerberg sneer, and he has always made the smart play by surrounding himself with solid players. He's that rare artist that hits all the right career notes seemingly without trying. And all of this would be moot without witnessing the dervish of energy that is a Dorian Taj show. Bands of all styles the world over could learn a thing or two from the manner in which Taj can captivate an audience. Welcome to Independence Day, Dorian Taj. Hey, Dorian. What's up, man? Doing all right. Yeah? Yeah, everything's going all right. I'm good. Welcome to Los Angeles. It's always fun when we have people from another town uh, travel to Los Angeles. A lot of people, Los Angeles is definitely a destination for a lot of people. But you and I have a special connection in that regard. Uh, you are from Chicago and still live in Chicago, so welcome oh, yeah. to L.A. Well, uh, well, right now I'm just, uh, I come to L.A. like at least once a year. Yeah. I have a lot of friends over here. I actually lived here yeah. for uh, three years. Um, left in the middle 90s, but I've been coming back, you know, like once a year. Yeah. I have a lot of friends out here. Yeah. You're a friendly guy. It's good to, you know, it's it's guys who are friendly, like yeah. I think like Midwesterners, right? Yeah. They're they're a friendly lot. We are a friendly lot. Even though I feel I've been away a pretty good while, I always tell people like I feel like a Chicagoan in exile. You know? It's like I, I love Chicago and I did the circuit there. I mm-hmm. played every all the venues and played there for years and years and years. And it for me, it's like I, I just wanted to change. Mm-hmm. You know? So tell me like <clears throat> You, because you've been in Chicago. Other than the time you spent in L.A., you you were born there, right? Did most of your career there. Like, mm-hmm. kind of like set the scene for me in Chicago. Like coming up when you did, like as a kid. Like, what was the scene or in in Chicago like? Well, it was pretty much from music. Very, the bars were still there. You know, like when I was a kid. You know, I still was like when I got into music, uh, pretty young. You know, grade school. So obviously, still the bands and things that I saw were things that were untouchable to me. You know, you, yeah, something you could never do. It was they were like a, a different realm of things. They were like like royalty. It was like whoa, you know, it was like reading a comic book. It was like and a comic were, book. Like you know? who were those bands that were playing around that you looked up to at the time? Because like when for me, yeah. like the bands that were like half a generation mm-hmm. ahead of me were like Smashing Pumpkins. Right. Like they were just ahead of me. Like you know, they were playing mm-hmm. Elbow Room just a few years before I was. You yeah. Know? Well, the big band that was coming up when I was like in grade school was this band called Cheap Trick, mm-hmm. and they were playing. And my older brother was ten years older than me. He would be going to see them in the bars and stuff. And this was the first time I realized that he was going to see these bands. And when they put out their first record, and he brought that home, and I listened to this, and I was just like, "Oh my God!" They were just as good as the Beatles to me, but. My brother was going down the street to see yeah. him play. Uh, so I started 
plan. I got a drum set, and I was going to be a drummer. Started doing it. Uh, turned out okay. I was playing that, <laughs> and then I was like, you know, I got a, a real cheap guitar, you know, these yeah. Sears guitar things. Uh, well, I did have an earlier guitar that I got uh, from S and H Green Stamps. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, there's a whole story kind of associated with that, right? Like you. <clears throat> Well, let's set the scene with the yeah. S&H green stamps. Like, yeah. I don't know if they, I, they must have had these in other cities, or maybe they didn't. I have no idea. Uh, some people know, and some people have no clue. It was like were. these stamps you would get at the grocery store. Right. And how did you procure? Did you buy them? I don't. That's the thing I don't remember. I think when like you would go with your mother, she would, you'd be watching, and they would just have these stamps. That I, I might have been how much you bought or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and you right. got the stamps for like, say you bought. Forty dollars worth of groceries. Yeah, you they got might X not number you, of stamps. Based which I on never that. knew that, but I remember then she would have all these stamps, and she would put me to work with all these booklets. So just licking stamps as a little kid, and that was like like playtime. You know? Right, just right, like, right. Just do this, you know. So you put in, you fill up these books, and my I remember like my mouth would be hurting. It's like all this stuff, you know. And I'd be like finally filling these out. I got all these books. So she was like, Oh, you did all this work. What do you want? Went, they had a catalog, you know, that, anything that you could get from these stamps. And I saw a guitar. It's like, that's what I want. Cool. Okay. All right. So, the electric guitar or acoustic guitar? No, this was an acoustic. Okay. And, uh, but I was just too young. I had it. It was just hung out. Never barely played it, but I loved it. It was like I would hit on it. Uh, so basically, then I started getting some drums. And that lasted for a little bit. You know, I tried to be a drummer. I think I was the drummer in the Brown's Chicken band. I don't know if Brown's Chicken, I don't know if you have They're that. They're a here. local Chicago chain, I think. Yeah, uh, they needed a drummer. So I think I had one real gig where we played covers. Of, you know, I was in grade school you know, at a party for Brown's Chicken or something like that. Then, uh, then I had got some other uh, friends uh, together to get some, I, I started getting more into guitar. And so I told some other friends, hey, you know, get, just get a drum set somehow, get this somehow, yeah, yeah. get this somehow, we're going to start playing, you know. And some of my friends in Chicago, they, they were all really talented, you know. They picked up stuff. So we started, like, doing stuff, you know. Okay, then uh, started getting into high school. This is, like, the whole underground, like, punk rock scene started to hit, you know, like in the 80s, you know. It was just like everything was all ages. Now, this is the most beautiful thing about this time because everything was all ages. You can go to any clubs. It was like if you saw someone over 20 at the shows, that would, whoa, who's yeah. this person? It was, yeah. Uh, so, so there are opportunities yeah. for kids to see music, not right. just like so I was at people a over right. So I was at a battle of the bands at, this, uh, at Gordon Tech High School. And I was wearing a, a Who, the bullet. It was a bullet shirt. It was a Who shirt, band Who. And then these other two kids that were there, it was like basically, you know, glam rock stuff happening, you know. And these other two kids came up to me and they were like, oh, they noticed I was wearing something different, you know. I wasn't all, you know, uh, meddled out. And they, <laughs> right, exactly. I like that phrase, meddled out. <laughs> and so they were like, hey, you come over here. What's your name? I said, I'm Dorian. They're like, oh, I'm Mike. You know, I'm Anthony. You know? They're like, hey, there's this club, COD, down, down the street. What? And I was like, what's that? You know? Oh, it's, uh, 
it's all ages. Don't worry. There's this band playing the Bad Brains. And I was like, what's, like, who are the Bad Brains? They're like, don't worry. You got to come. Yeah. And so I went there. And I was blown away. It's just the scene, everything. And the band opening up for them was this band, Articles of Faith. Just, they just put out their first single. And I was like, how do I get in this band? They're like, what are you talking about? They're in a band, you know? So, like, uh, fast forward, like, about a couple months later, I heard they were looking for a drummer uh, through another friend who was going to go try out for them on drums. Uh, they had, uh, and I was like, well, I'll come too and try out for drums. <laughs> yeah. He's like, do you play drums? I was like, I played drums years ago. That was my first instrument. He's like, all right. So he tried out, and they were like, oh, cool, you know? We'll call you. Okay, who's next? All right, bring the next kid up. I got behind the set. They stopped me after 20 seconds. They're like, you can't play. And I was like, but I play guitar too. And I'd learned that whole single the week before. Uh, so they gave me a guitar. Because uh, the, guitar, uh, the guitar player singer at the time was saying, you know, I was thinking of not playing guitar and just singing. So yeah, let's, let's try you out. And I had it down. They're like, wow. We're, we're going to make you a roadie. What are you doing this weekend? So I roadied for a while. And then later on... We're going to make you a roadie. Right, I was, right exactly. Because they were like, oh, I roadie. But then they would let me on for the encores. Okay. So we'd be in like, you know, Cincinnati, uh, Louisville, things like that. And I was just getting the taste of this traveling thing. And I was like, this is so great. So I was, you know, kind of a quiet kid in school. Quite, you know, so I was like, this was just getting me out. It was like letting me do things. It was a whole, it wasn't, it wasn't just playing music, but it was just a whole life, lifestyle. Yeah. And I was falling in love with So then by the time then they were like, you know what, you're in the band full time. And we did the full length record with, with Articles of Faith. And next thing you know, we're on big, you know, total tours, you know, opening up for like Husker Du and some of my favorite bands at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, Wow. You know, this is, like, so great, you know. Then that band broke up pretty soon. We did one le uh, other record. We broke up before it came out. And I started, like, to write my own songs. I was like, yeah. well, I'll try to write some songs. But they weren't punk rock at all. Yeah. I couldn't write that. So let's hold on right yeah. there. Because right here, I want, yeah. I want people to hear what you're all about, musically speaking. Because yeah. I kind of know what you're all about. But, yeah. like, not everybody may know. And I want to give people a taste of what you, what you do. Right. And we'll come back. Like, one thing I've heard you describe as being... Uh, is the Dylan of Chicago. Yeah. I read that in a couple of different reasons. Now, hold on, hold, yeah. hold the thought. Hold yeah. the thought. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. You right. can either take umbrage with it or you can say yes, no, whatever. Uh, but first, I just want people to hear this is my, this week's guest on Independence Day is Dorian Taj, T-A-J-D-O-R-I-A-N. He's got a much longer name that's actually your given name that I don't think I could... There's an Anthony, there's an Anthony in there somewhere too, I uh, think. I've got two middle names, Anthony Alexander. And then the problem, then the actual full last name is Taj Baksh. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, people's name are Joe are always impressed when people have a last name like Taj. Ta I say it again. Taj Baksh. Taj Baksh. Close. Yeah, old time Persian name. Uh, yeah. My dad was uh, Tehran from Tehran, Iran. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So Dorian Taj is this week's guest on Independence Day. The song we're going to hear is "I Know You Rock." I'm sorry. I know you rock and roll is what it's called, right? Yeah. And this is a brand new. It's like a debut. Yeah. It's not. It's going to be on the record that I'm working on now. Yeah. Actually, we should be done mixing it in two days. Okay, so soon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. But we'll, we'll the full length record we'll hear later this year, and I think the record is going to yeah. be called Druggies Downstairs. Right. So this is yeah. Dorian Taj with a brand new world premiere. I know you rock and roll on Independence Day. And then we ride. 
My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. It means a lot to me when you do. You can drop by, if you haven't already, indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com to hear 170 plus episodes. So proud to have Dorian Taj on this week. Say hello, Dorian. Hello, Joe. It's so great to have you on the show. So great to talk to another Chicagoan. Uh, Susan Tunney is what connected us. She was just on the show not too terribly long uh, ago. Yes. Uh, she's another Chicagoan, kind of hooked us up together. And uh, it's always comforting to talk to a Chicagoan. There's, I used the word simpatico when she was here. Like, at least, at least I feel it. Like, I can tell when I'm around other Midwesterners. There's, just, there's no pretense. There's no BS. There's no, like, even if they're kind of hard-edged, like, there's kind of an understanding. Like, there's, no, there's just no stuff. Does that make sense? Do you oh, it feel makes a lot too? of sense. Yeah, that's pretty much, you know, how it is. It's, you know, think growing up in the in the midwestern city is kind of like that we have the seasons uh it's very uh we got to stick together all the time yeah you know? it's a harder edged environment when it comes yeah. to the weather let's just let's just be yeah. honest it's the weather You're right you know if it's flat there's no mountains there's no hills mm-hmm. right 
But man, when winter comes, you know, you had better have had friends, you know, because right. you're going to need, somebody's going to need to jump your car off yeah, exactly. from time to time or you shovel it out or yeah. both. Exactly. Anyway, it's so true. it's a pleasure to talk to another Chicagoan. Thank you for taking the time out while you're oh, here no in problem. LA. Whatsoever. You could be at the beach, you could be surfing, but here you are talking yeah. to us. Exactly. Uh, and great song, by the way. Everybody's looking forward to the new record. Dorientage.com is where they can find that. So we, before we were getting into that song, we want to talk about somebody called you the Dylan of Chicago, and we were talking about kind of your background. You started up playing kind of punkish bands. Yeah. But the stuff you do now is not punk music. Like how did first address those two things? Like address being called the mm -hmm. Dylan of Chicago and then how you got from being in punk bands to doing the style you do now. I'm not the thing about the Dylan of Chicago, I'm not really too sure. I think writing style i've heard that some people say some of my core changes have been like that another great possibility is that people always said i look like dylan and i think the visual thing people say oh he's the dylan of chicago now and i could just be standing there they don't even know i play an instrument they could say that and i think that actually might have had it's kind of funny okay. that way but uh uh maybe my demeanor uh the fact that I was always very quiet and just being in clubs, I would like hang out, I'd show up. I was always the person who would just plug in and play. Uh, some people would be like, oh, has he got an attitude? Yeah. Come in, set times, I got it all right, plug in, play. That's that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, no, no, I'm picturing, you know, I did watch some live videos of your performances, mm -hmm. but I couldn't get a feel for this. Are you saying that you don't, like, interact with the audience between songs too much? But you, or are you just saying that you're not, like, doing the Steve Martin jokey thing between songs? Oh, it took me a while to learn how to, like, talk in between songs. And I can't say I'm that great at it, but just in the last two years, I started, hey, yo, like, just talking, just talking more. In between songs, you know, saying things here and there. I'd say for most of my career, it barely, nothing. I'd play. I never thought about that until people, you know, you should really, if you're going to do this, you should really interact. I'm like, huh? <laughs> should have told me this 15 years ago, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where were you when I needed you, man? Come on. Right? It's like, <clears throat> yeah, totally. Uh, uh, Any times that been putting out songs like i started writing more popish stuff right after i got out of the punk rock. i couldn't do right it was just that way i was very um influenced by melodies yeah okay i always had to have a melody looking for that melody yeah uh, not just uh, screaming you know so let's take let's take half a step back i'm gonna interrupt yeah. for just one second right. please forgive me but like what because i want to i want to contrast these two things yeah. like what was it about punk music that was attractive to you as, as a it soft me spoken out of town, person first off okay it gave me a community it was yeah it was a whole world uh the words you know just everything just being a kid uh, kids are high energy yeah uh just that camaraderie i the the intensity of the music was just at this time was just i felt it it's just i felt something that was just so deep down you know that i could just be like oh yeah and uh i wasn't a punk rock kid like i didn't look that way i would show up to the gigs i've never had sometimes long hair 
just a T-shirt. No chain, no tattoos ever. You know, nothing. You know, no safety pin through your ear. No. Uh, but I was just loving the music, and it was a, like I said, it was a thing at the time that just was there. It just everything collided that way for me to have an opportunity to go out and play shows. Yeah. Uh, and how far? I mean, this is kind of so what, when what, that. I'll tell you when that ended. The punk. All of a sudden, all my shows went away. When I tried to let, then like right, come and do my pop music, even I could have the best musicians, but I wasn't doing punk. You know, I still have people I meet today, all they talk about is my early bands that were doing that. They, they've never heard a single, they'll be like, hey, it's Dorian. What about that? Oh, he played in. They what about the last eight records? Huh? Because yeah. <laughs> they're still. Yeah. into that music and that's awesome but it's, it's kind of interesting yeah you know? <laughs> I, I mean I, well, I don't want to use the word culty because that sometimes has a negative connotation but they're like I think brotherhood is the word you use like there's right. definitely a scene for that right. music. people mm-hmm. who are into like punky punky music yeah. are very very into it like there, right. are, there aren't a lot of like passive punk fans is I guess what I'm saying right like you know a lot of people when they listen to pop music it's like yeah mm-hmm. it's just pop music it's on in the background yeah they're, they're not like living and breathing and dying. And, and yeah, like and I'll tell you, I sometimes it. feel like I want to do that because I'll be hanging out with friends of mine still to this day that they're into that music and they hang out at places and all these people are there and, the, and these certain songs come on. Everyone's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, 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 too. And then I think about some of my songs. I'm like, wah, wah, wah. No wonder they don't like my music. The sad yeah. trombone. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so right. let's do this. Because we, we didn't quite get to the second point of that, which is like kind of addressing, you know, the Dylan part and also how you got from doing punk music to doing like your stuff, which I would call more singer-songwriter-oriented right. music. But first, once you play a live song, you've got Aaron Baker in toe yeah another guy from chicago is going to play along with you You guys used to play together in chicago now he lives here so he's playing with you today what is this first live song that you're going to play what is this one uh this one is uh junk cloud and this one was off a first single when i was first did my uh, singer songwriting thing and i moved away from uh more of the super fast punk rock stuff and i was trying to do pop songs, and uh, actually, it was when I was visiting L.A. again and, and hanging out in my friend Kevin's backyard, and at this point, trying to come up with music, and sometimes looking for inspiration at this time, there was a lot of weird stuff happening around where I was staying, uh, with certain like drugs and stuff, and all this weird stuff at this time in L.A., and, uh, and I kind of was like, I'm writing a song about what's going around me right now. And so, first thing I wrote down, I picked up a pen, I wrote, Junk Cloud. And I was looking at everything. Everyone's having a good time, you know, just like off the wall, madness. And Craziness. I'm, junk Cloud. And I, and I wrote these words around it, you know, like, need something stronger now. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing this. I'm sharing it with everybody. Thanks for listening to Independence Day. I'm Joe Armstrong. This week's guest, Dorian Taj. So happy to have him in here talking with us. He's going to treat us to some live songs. And let's hear this Dorian with Aaron Baker playing electric guitar. This is the song Junk Cloud. One, two, three, four. Won't you take me for a ride on your junk cloud in the sky? Ooh, baby, I wouldn't mind. 
won't you take me for a ride on your jump cloud in the sky? Oh, baby, I wouldn't mind. You got something going, girl, that no one else can see. Well, I got something too, I know, but no one will notice me. Won't you take me for a ride on your junk cloud in the sky? Ooh, baby, I wouldn't mind. Won't you take me for a ride on your junk cloud in the sky? Ooh, baby, I wouldn't mind. Got something going, girl, that no one else can see. Well, I've got something too, I know, but no one will notice me. Well, I've been up and down so many times this week. I need something stronger now. And you get it away for free Won't you take me for a ride On your junk cloud in the sky Ooh, baby, I wouldn't mind Won't you take me for a ride on your junk cloud in the sky? Oh, baby, I wouldn't
Very nice. Dorian, that's great, man. Oh, thank you. You've got a cool website, too. Like People should check this out. Uh, DorianTaj.com. D-O-R-I-A-N-T-A-J.com is where you can find everything you need to know about him. Also, Facebook.com slash DorianTaj. Same spelling there. Follow him on Twitter at DorianTaj as well. So Junk Clouds, first song you're going to hear. Everybody heard. They're going to play some more songs here in just a few minutes. But I want to get to that point, like... Like, what was it like when you weren't doing, like, what made you switch from doing punk music? Like you said you were searching for the melody, or was there something else about it, too? That's just what what happened when I was hitting my guitar and trying to come up with songs. Believe me, I tried. I really tried to, like, like hit, to play fast and stuff. It just wasn't working for me. And then I knew in my head I was always wanting to do melody. Uh, for better or worse, and at first it wound up for worse because I lost yeah. all my and my following and a lot and some friends, right? Because they would not come to see me. It wasn't like oh, it was too too drastic. You sold out, Dorian. Well, if, yeah, sold out. Le- actually, right, sold out with less of to a crowd. To make less money. <laughs> and, less, and no crowd. <laughs> right. right, right. Now I'm playing the five people when I was playing the 500. You've gone, you've, you've gone <laughs> I legit. I sold out. Yeah, right. And so... You know, trying that, and that took some time, actually. You know, I wasn't very good at first. I, I was a terrible singer. I could not, I mean, I, like singing on key, I, I was just trying to do too much at once, coming up with all these melodies. Uh, so it took some time. And then finally, you know, things started to melt, and I've stayed that course now. So how was it, how did you find... Like a new, well, first of all, I guess this is two parts. How did you find new musicians to play with? Because people mostly knew you from the punk world. Because yeah. I'm assuming if you're doing this type of music, you won't necessarily want the same players that were playing um, the punk music. Okay, well, And this, then how did you find yeah. your audience at that point? Uh, I found just people that I knew. Actually, one of the players, my buddy Chris, I actually knew in high school. Uh, and he wasn't... Uh, he wasn't from the punk scene uh, at the point at that point at all. Uh, I, so I called him up and I said, "Hey, remember?" Uh, so he came down, brought a bass. Yeah, you know, there was a thing called ads. We used to put ads out and yeah, <laughs> remember that? Did stuff? you ever? I used to do this <laughs> in the Reader and stuff. In, well, in the Chicago Reader, which is <laughs> right, kind of like the Village yeah. Voice or kind of yeah. like the LA uh, whatever the LA things called. I always yeah. forget, but uh, LA Weekly, I think. But there's also like we used to like make up these elaborate like things with the pull tabs at the bottom that you would put in music stores. Right. You know, you like, they'd always had a board. You know, it's like drummer, you know, looking for a drummer, looking for whatever, trying to start a band. And I always felt bad because it's like, you know, back then, you know, some of the times I was a kid and like those people were just calling my parents' house. Like, I mean, I, I might have missed calls from like, you know, Billy Corgan wanting to play in my band because my true. dad answered the phone. Exactly. You know, who knows? Well, that, well, that's how it was. I mean, that's all. Uh, so yeah, it was, wasn't difficult to find people to play, uh, and at that point, you know, in Chicago, I'll tell you, it's not as it's also hanging out like we said that uh, Midwestern thing. So it's not like we're oh, if things aren't happening in two weeks, the, the guy's out of there. Yeah, right. People stick it out for a little bit and try to. Uh, so it was always cool. Then I moved. That's. Exactly when I moved, then I moved to LA. Uh, I went there first, actually, with 
a girlfriend of mine that I actually knew in Chicago, and she wanted to move to L.A. Uh, there's always a girl. Yeah, right. so she was like, oh, yo, is, is it okay for you to leave, leave your band? But she was like, I was like, well, I don't know. So I left. Uh, I'll find out when I go. So, no, I left, and then, like, she was kind of happy. She was cool about that, and I'm like, I'm cool, I guess. But then they called me up, and they're like, guess what? We're definitely coming down to L.A. I'm like, what? So it was hard for me to, like, tell my girlfriend at the time. She's really nice, you know. So I, I kind of messed up on that and told her and didn't say nothing, really, until they were, like, downstairs coming up. And I, she was like, well, this ain't happening, kind of. So I, like, packed my bags. Uh-oh. And they're coming up with their stuff. And I come down with my side, turn around. <laughs> so we went to stay in a hotel. So then we uh, started... You know, playing here, we got a rehearsal space, and then my girlfriend was cool, and then she said, all right, you guys come back. You know? So I started having this band here, and that's when it really started to gel. Um, but they were guys from Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Except for uh, we found a new guitar player here. Um, There's a couple in L.A., I Yeah, think. yeah. And so, yeah, it started to go okay, except we couldn't find any gigs because I was into, like, more rock and roll, and it was... It was still like this. It was the '90s. It was still like this hard rock thing, still yeah, lingering. Like that sunset. So strip I would like scene. call up clubs, and they'd be like, "What do you sound like?" I'm like, "You know, replacements, uh, little Tom Pettyish, maybe maybe Husker Du." They'd be like, "Who?" No, wow. no. So it was very. There wasn't too many places. There's a lot. Probably there became a lot more as time went on. You know. Yeah. Uh, but um. So, and I wasn't, and then the grunge thing was happening, and then I started meeting people that were, that was still heavier. So I was right. like, well, how would I, so I, I was like, should I go buy a bigger Marshall amp? So I went to the Guitar Center and actually got a Marshall amp, because I thought that would, I could get gigs. Because they, you know, they saw this beautiful this Well, yeah, you're Marshall buying amp. your way in one way or another, I guess, <laughs> I right? So next thing you know, I had this Marshall amp. I'm like, well, this has got to work. I got this big Marshall amp. Well, I'm much louder now. And But you know what? That still didn't work. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Right. <laughs> the Marshall amp, that cost me a lot. It's, it's, what? <laughs> yeah, so, well, guess what? We still wound up getting a little record deal. And they... After all this, I was living on Vermont, was my last place on Vermont, 1777 Vermont, and uh, right in Los Feliz, and all I did every day was kill roaches. I remember this. It was oh, so Lord. horrible. It was this building, it's just every day, just killing roaches and just playing, trying to write songs for, for this record. And uh, finally, the, we were going to go on tour to England because I was what we were doing for some reason. It was like, yeah, yeah, everyone goes to England first. You, you got to make your name in England and you'll come back and it'll be better. Well, uh, they, have better they have better music magazines than we do, so yeah. if you can break into those so, magazines. Yeah, so, yeah, so the band went there. I left the, the Roach place. Uh, it's still there. The building's still there. I just saw it today. And, uh, and after that, I was like, I'm not going back to L.A. So we just said, go, let's go straight back to Chicago. Does everyone feel good about going straight back to Chicago? Because we'll get more shows. And actually, we did. So then, right when we got back to Chicago, everything started to happen more. You know? Okay. Played a bunch of shows at the Metro and all these good places. So I was like, this is much better. Yeah, Playing at least, show, at least one show a month where I couldn't even, it was even buying a Marshall stack didn't help me in LA. You know? Yeah, yeah. So. It's, well, it, 
for people who don't know the Metro, Metro's a fairly legendary venue in Chicago. Yeah. It's not a giant venue, but it's not a small venue either. You know, it's right. full PA system, you know, full stage. I mean, I got I saw a cracker there growing yeah. up, you know. I saw Sunvolt there. I saw right. a lot of bands there. Mm-hmm. Jeff Buckley played there, you know, a lot of people go for Radiohead. Uh, a friend of mine, as a, as a short aside, a friend of mine went to see Radiohead like on their first record. Right. And you know they might even been opening for somebody and met them in the alley behind the metro at one point and they like nobody knew who they were radiohead right. was just some band from britain well that's who exact, had like right. one single and they were very nice and she got to meet all of them they were really really friendly and you know she's like well can you sign something for me and they were like yeah absolutely and he's like what do you got and she you know she didn't have a record she didn't have anything so there was a brick hanging around in the alley behind the Metro. So she had all of Radiohead signed that brick. Oh, that's awesome. But then here's the sad part. She lost the brick. So somewhere in the world is a brick from behind the Metro signed by Radiohead that, you know, from, gosh, what year would that have been? Before even the Benz came out. Yeah. You know, Pablo Honey, I think, yeah. was their first record. So uh-huh. it's around that era. So somewhere out there is the lost brick, the Radiohead brick. Wow. I wish I knew where that brick was. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, that's, that's an awesome story. So let's do this. Why don't you play another live song? Because they're they're really good, and I can't wait for people to hear this next one. Tell me what this is. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about like how you got back to Chicago. What's in this next one, Dorian? Uh, this song is called Come Tomorrow, and it's off uh, the full-length Dorian first... Uh, the puppet record. Yeah, the puppet record, yeah. Uh, um, which... I did in Chicago. At this point, I'm back in Chicago as a. Uh, yeah, we'll come. We'll talk about getting yeah. back to Chicago after right. this. So let's just we'll let's let's just set this up. We'll come back. We'll talk about getting back to Chicago. We'll right. talk about those late night taco joints. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what kept me alive when I was playing there. This week's guest on Independence Day, Dorian Taj. You can learn about him at DorianTaj.com. D O R I A N T A J is where you can find him. Also on Facebook, the same way. Also on Twitter, the same way. Thanks for listening to Independence Day. I'm Joe Armstrong. Dorian Taj's next song happens now. Come tomorrow. Come tomorrow. See the breaking of the day. An early warning. I can see you throwing candles in the rain. Now you're burning. I'd love to tell you that I'd like you to stay Because it's so hard to say Goodbye Goodbye Listen to me I've listened to you for some time Now the train's leaving Knock my head on wood so many times. Feel it bleeding. I'd love to tell you that I'd like you to stay because it's so hard to say goodbye.
by tomorrow The words won't come today Take off in the morning So many months Without a thing to say I've got the need to say it I'd love to tell you that I'd like you to stay Because it's so hard to say Goodbye Very, very nice, Dorian. Also you, Aaron Baker as well. Love hearing Aaron play. It's always a pleasure to hear that man, what he oh, does with yeah, electric guitar. Awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Good, good stuff, man. So you are a Chicago-based artist. You spent a little time in LA. And we were just talking about you, you know, he went after you were on tour, went to overseas, went to England. How what was the reception for your band at that time in England? I think a lot of the lines when people we had a manager come with us, and I think we heard not our cup of tea a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> actually, funny. our manager actually told, would say that. Well, he said the same thing. Not our cup of tea. It was like licensing folks. I don't know all that business stuff. But uh. it's like the uh, that, it's like that Spinal Tap joke. Yeah. Well, a, the gig in Boston's been canceled, but don't worry, it's not a big college town. It's uh, like, here's here's a question, yeah. right? Every musician deals with this. It's rejection. It's yeah. like this giant monkey or giant gorilla in the room yeah. right and everyone every musician you talk to every single musician how you know they had to deal with being rejected bruce springsteen mm-hmm. can tell you That's, about yeah. being rejected madonna has stories about being rejected yeah. like are very very with very very few exceptions like that's a big part of being in the music business so how did you deal with rejection on like for you you and your career personally uh i would just walk away a lot uh just not like say much uh it took me a while to learn that you know what you know how you change rejection you speak up and you say why you shouldn't be rejected right there right and i realized a couple times i was in offices of labels and things like that and they'd be like well here here it comes i'm not too sure if that's gonna work out and i'd be like and i'd be like no it's gonna totally work out no, this is happening. I really, they, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, really? And then you realize that is the guy that they want. They want that guy who actually, it's okay to know that you are behind yourself, but it's another thing to actually voice it. And, right. And once I learned that, I was like, wow, you can change someone instantly. And now it is happening. It's like Jedi mind trick. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's it's another one of those. Why was I doing that ten years ago? Instead of just being yeah. like, hmm, okay, trot trot, walk out the door into the elevator, yeah. out to the street on the bus. You get home, you cook your microwave dinner, and you go, hmm, what the hell just happened? Yeah, Ch- yeah, talk, communication. That's what changes that. It sounds like advice for yeah. young musicians. Yeah, like, uh, persistence. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's you can say these things over and over again in terms of like they sound like I call them greeting card philosophies. Yeah. Right, something very simple. It's like a tagline, you know, a mantra, right. if you will. But there's, 
if you, I think you just have to find a creative way to word them because they're really true. These are truisms. Right. You know, sticking with it. Mm-hmm. You know, here you are. I mean, you know, both of us, neither of us are 20-year-old musicians, right. but we're still making music. So, you know, that's the whole Woody Allen joke. I mean, half of success is showing up. But there's showing, showing up means different things. You showed up for yourself as an advocate for right. yourself in that office with that record label mm-hmm. at one point. You said to that guy or girl, whoever it was, like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. This is legit. Right. You know, you, I mean, you, you need to believe in this because mm-hmm. I certainly do. Right. Exactly. And uh, I'll tell you, and it, it does work because you're showing other people how much you are behind it. And that's, you can't expect people to be behind you if you say nothing. You're just like, are willing to walk away. It's, uh, it's something I've definitely learned. Very much so. So, you know, we're, we're talking about rejection, how you deal with that, talking about going to England, coming back yeah. from that. I'm talking with Dorian Taj, by the way, Chicago musician. Um, now, coming back to Chicago, there's a funny thing about Chicagoans that I've learned are Midwesterners. They're very kind of insular in a mm-hmm. way. They're suspect of people who go to Los Angeles. Like, you've sold out. You've left us, right? And I still have friends, musicians in Chicago, who look at L.A. like, oh, you people are all fake and plastic. It's, uh, it's very true, and... Especially at that time, <clears throat> now I think the music scene has changed so much that the whole glossy thing is actually seen as a good, a better thing now than it did back then. I think part of that is because we have cameras. Everyone right. has a camera so, in their right. pocket. Right, so looking good isn't a bad thing anymore. Uh, it's not. It's actually a good thing, uh, a completely a good thing. But I do remember when I first was planning on moving, and uh, my guitar player at the time. Uh, he was so upset because I was, oh, you don't remember we're hanging out. And I said, you know, he's like, what? I heard through the grapevine that you're going to L.A. And I was like, yeah, thinking about it. And he was like, fine, Dorian, you just go to L.A. You hang out with those people. Picked up a chair and threw it against the wall. And I was like, wow, that's true because it – Maybe this is terrible. What, what, what am, why am I doing this? But I still did it. You know? But you're right. Yeah. Where I don't think now it's like the way things are. I don't think it would ever be seen like that. Because just like how you said, you know, yeah. with everything's on video and everyone looks good. I mean, like shopping in thrift stores for bands these days isn't as big, you know, to look cool. It's like we don't wear new clothes. No, you do wear new clothes now. You do look good. You do wear expensive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only that, but we're, you know, both the combination of having a camera in everyone's pocket and a video right. screen in everyone's pocket. Also, the internet has allowed every band to find their niche, whatever yeah. that is, whether that's punk. And like now we're down to like sub, 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 sub genres of stuff. Like you're like post, post punk, alt rock klezmer with a hint of reggae right right so and then that band can then find the other people who are into post post rock alt whatever klezmer reggae thing and like people can find their audience or they they have more opportunities to find their audience and audiences on on the same on the flip side can find a band that like there's a billion bands and everybody's doing it in every town now so like you know i don't want to say the bar's been lowered but there's a huge swath of or you know of options for everyone to pick when right. it comes to music, so it's been it's kind of equalized a little bit. Like it, for me personally, as a musician, you know, coming, I've, it's, I always tell the story. It's kind of a joke. Like in Chicago, I used to play in shorts sometimes, and it was hot. You know, coming to L.A., you learn like 
like that's verboten. You don't play yeah. in shorts, man. Unless you play in like a, a Grateful Dead cover band, you're not allowed to play in shorts. It's funny because my friend, uh, where I'm staying, that my friend Kevin, uh, Kevin Reedy, he was there was this magazine today, and I opened one of the pages, and there was a caption of a musician, and it was like the caption. It was an interview with him, but they had a caption on this one picture, and he says, "This is why you don't play in shorts because if you play in shorts, people think you're going to deliver them a pizza." Right. If you're playing music, you look, you, you know, you look the part of playing. And I was like, "Whoa, that's I haven't heard yeah. that in a while." Yeah, I think some of it, you know, some of it. I like, <laughs> you have the best laugh, man. I it comes back to like Chicagoans being, or you know, Midwesterners being kind yeah. of less pretentious. I mean, image is a thing. Yeah. You know, I remember when I lived in Chicago and I was taking the train and the L downtown every day. That's yeah. our. That's what we call the subway system there, the L, even though it's not always mm. elevated. It's called the L. CTA, Chicago Transit mm-hmm. Authority. And they're all the, they're always girls in black. Yeah. You know, head to toe. And those are like the girls that I couldn't afford to go out with. Yeah. Right. So image is a thing in Chicago. Yeah, it is. But it's less of a thing in the Midwest as it is I in did, Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't remember the clothes. Be, right before, like say the year before I left to LA and I had the uh the first band and we had a rehearsal space right above the Cubby Bear facing a. Wrigley, we had two rooms, and we were there like every day, you know. And uh, I don't remember the first person I remember coming over to our space one night was Billy Corgan, right? And so, you know, he was coming out, and he was like, yeah, I just got a gig at the Metro. Yeah, I'm doing all this stuff. I remember he was wearing black, and I could have swore, like, stretch pants. And I was like, whoa. This is this is a game changer now, guys. Yeah, because we're still in like dirty flannels and thrift pants that don't fit, and like shoe. We have one pair of shoes, and I was like, going, he got the good. Wait, he got, he just got the better slot. Open up for Jane's addiction, you know. We might be sliding. That. I mean, I was looking. I was like, this is changing, and then slowly, other musicians were popping up, and I saw that change completely. Yeah, yeah. It, for me, like coming to LA in terms of, you know, I'm not the most image conscious person yeah. in the world, but once, like, you see how things have changed. And I think, I, I, to your point from before, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's that camera, yeah. it's the fact that video is omnipresent, it's mm. everywhere now. And also the fact of moving to an image pl- conscious yeah. place like Los Angeles, um, I, I upped my game, not a lot, yeah. but a little. You know, as much as a guy from Chicago can, because yeah. it gets to a certain point, it's like, ah, you know, I'm not going to bother. But like, I learned that, yeah. you know, A, number one, no playing in shorts, no playing in sandals <laughs> right away. Those are not, that is now verboten, you know. And, you know, I, I had did. so many friends who played in shorts and in the small, in the small bars in Chicago. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was like, <laughs> and you never would say anything, even though in your mind you knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but it's like, who? There's, well, there's five people watching. The, it's like, yeah. what's, I mean, what are we trying to prove? <laughs> yeah, but the well, funny, Just be comfortable. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, that, that was my attitude at the but time, you know too. It's not the right attitude to have right. if you're really trying to be Well, custom. here's what I learned, Dorian. Yeah. This, is, this is the important... This is like the message I'll take away yeah. from this whole thing, or I'm hoping somebody takes away from this, is that when you step on stage, you are assuming the role of a performer mm-hmm. or an entertainer. Yeah. Now, entertainment can be happy, it can be sad, it can be angry, it can be soft, it can be beautiful, it can be ugly in a way, mm-hmm. right? It can be all those things at once sometimes. But you are still assuming that role or that responsibility of and being a And it is a responsibility, and I was, I was getting good shows. I was playing, starting to play to better places, and I remember my mother actually sat me down. She said, Dorian, 
you can't look the way you look if you want to. She would like, I'd be on stage right about to hit the first note, and she would walk in with a bag of clothes, and I'd be, I'd be like, what are you doing? Yay, mom. People, she'd like, you change into these right now, and it would be like a pair of black leather pants. And I'd be like, what? I've never where, where, where the hell what? did you get black leather pants, mom? And I'd be like, why? I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. And but, and I'm like. Uh, this is a person from a different gen- of, of generation knowing what show business is. Right. And I'm just trying to be the old punky songwriter. I don't care about that t- type of thing, you know. But uh, it was like, yeah, you know, it's like I'm trying to be all cool and stuff. But she's actually saying, no, oh, this could really help you if you if you just look better. Yeah. Hey, you're not a bad looking boy. Why don't you dress the party? My, Son, my- <laughs> you're so beautiful. Uh, Why are you wearing this crappy thrift? It's true. I think it took a while. Again, like I'm not the most image conscious guy in the entire world, but I did learn that it matters. I guess is what I'm getting at. Like that's the bottom line I'm getting at. Like it does matter because I think back. Like there was my old guitar player Mike, who I love to death. He moved. He's I think he's in Florida now. Um, He bought leather pants. Right now, those aren't cheap. He had more money than I did, but he showed up with leather pants. He had his collar popped out of his his like velvet uh, like suit jacket. You know, and he had a cowboy hat, and it was like, at first, you start to think like, ah, yeah, he's just, just posing, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then, everyone remembers that. Exactly. And it makes a statement, and people remember uh-huh. it, and people respect it, and what did they say? That's awesome. Yeah. And I thought, you know, they're right. So when I did my CD release party at Gunther Murphy's oh, yeah. on Belmont for my my last my, for my record back in uh-huh. Chicago, I went and I bought a brand new suit, like an expensive, like the whole shebang, nice. shoes and all. And while you know, while the you know we had set everything up, like just sound check, and people came in, I went to the side little room, like the load-in thing, which is you know empty kegs and rats running around. Mm-hmm. Like here's me putting on my several hundred dollar suit to go play the shows because I wanted to be like a presentation, you know. And I think it's you know the Beatles had matching yeah. suits. Like I think if you take that extra care, you take that step, people will remember that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that uh, it worked for you, obviously, <laughs> to a certain extent. Here you are still doing it, right? Yeah. Uh, I started to actually think about, man, because if I look at pictures of myself, like in the years past and with different bands and I look what I'm, it's, everything's bag, baggy, yeah, terrible yeah. looking. And I'm like, whoa, my God, why didn't I listen to somebody like, why was people were, t- my mother was telling me, why did I, <laughs> I, these pictures would look so much better if I was wearing fitting clothes at least. Yeah. Well, there was yeah. a period there where clothes just didn't fit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so really, Dorian, what you're telling me through all this kind of thing is that your mother, just the, the the altruism, like the number one rule of all time, is still true, which is that your mother is always right. Yeah, exactly. She shows up with the bag of clothes, yeah. and she like, pulls it out at the last minute. And I, I think it's cool that she supported you in that regard. It's like, um, oh, yeah, exactly. my son with his crazy rock band. It's like, no, no, that's she cares if she's yeah, bringing you clothes, yeah, man. She, yeah, exactly. I mean, she wanted to help me out, you know. And help you know help out in the way that she knew, which is actually true. Show business, that's you know, you do things a certain way, you know, try yeah. to I like the statement you said before about like being from her generation when they knew what showbiz was. Yeah. Because it was a it was kind of a glitzier thing. Like right. you know, that's one thing about the proliferation of technology. It's allowed everyone to do all these things, which is right. great because it's empowered mm-hmm. so many people to learn to play instruments or mess around with recording with GarageBand on their laptop or exactly. record on their yeah. phone. Like it's empowered a lot of people. But there's so many people doing it, it's hard to stand out now, or it's hard it, it's it's in some ways it's less special when everyone's a star, it's less special. Mm-hmm. You know, or like if everyone had a thousand dollars more than they have right now, everything would be exactly the same. 
because everyone would have the same amount of stuff, just more. Right. Right? You know, it's exactly. like in some ways a rising tide raises all boats, but once they're all raised, everyone's just at that same level, just higher. You know what I'm saying? Like everything else goes, the price of stuff goes up. Anyway, we don't need to get into like socioeconomic theory here. But anyway, so you know, one more song. What's this last song going to be? Okay, doing? this song uh, we're going to do Change is Slow. Or this is, uh, let's do, we're going to do a. Uh, more of a finger-picking version of the song on the on it's off the tobacco record, and it was more of a heavier song on the record. But let's do a. It'd be nice to like. Yeah, change it up. A, do a little uh, finger-picking version of it. Okay, fantastic, Dorian Taj on Independence Day. If you. Don't need me Let me know Because I wouldn't want to hang around Too long If You Don't believe in me I will go But it's gonna take a little time Changes Slow Can't take any more of this love When I feel so none of the above Is there something that we're thinking of? You're hearing strange voices in the night And I don't know if you're alright Cause I'm out on the other side If Cause I wouldn't want to hang around for too long If you don't believe in me I will go But it's gonna take a little time Changes slow When I'm here you don't want me around when I'm there, you say you wanna be alone. Is this something that we ought to know? Well, I can't live when I wanna be something else. Will you just like that? Will you know it's something else when we know we got ourselves together? Take everything you want and leave me more Well, I know, I know that plane is going higher Well, I see everything when I turn off the light In the silence of a firefight Break it down, 
bring me up together If you don't need me Let me know Because I wouldn't want to hang around too long If you don't believe in me I will go But it's gonna take a little time Changes slow Change is slow Dorian Taj, man, thank you so much for taking time out when you're here in Los Angeles. You could be surfing, could you know, be. you could be climbing mountains, you could be eating tacos, you could be doing all three of those you at once what, in this You know to tell you the truth, since everyone's moved over to these neighborhoods, I never see the ocean anymore. Yeah. I don't know anyone who li- really lives out that I'll way. I'll tell you this, this is something so, that... Uh, maybe I shouldn't take a trip and just know that it exists, you know, because I remember just, you know, Silver Lake, then Eagle Rock, and now... Highland Park, Glossel all these Park. where everyone's hanging out. So yeah. I forgot what the ocean looks I'll like. I'll say this, man. This so is my last Chicago like, thing for the for the day because you, you understand this. Like, you know, we yeah. grew up by Lake Michigan, so I mean, it feels kind of like the ocean, mm-hmm. but it's kind of not at the same time. So the, you know what it's like to be close to a very very large right. body of water and like what that power like that. You just kind of the lake has a feel. Yeah. Right. The ocean has it too, except bigger, significantly yeah. bigger. But. The point is, you know, growing up by that large body of water, like when I, it's, the ocean still has a lot of romance for Middle Westerners, because like we don't live by the ocean, Mm -hmm. right, at all. There's no other continents. On the other side of that is Michigan, which is pretty much the same as it is on this side, right? So when you live by the ocean, it's exotic. People from all over the world come through there. So moving to LA, I thought like, man, I'm going to go surfing every weekend. I'm going to be at the beach every weekend. I'm going to go down there. How many times I've been to the beach since I lived in Los Angeles? How many? In like 13 years, I've probably been there like five times. That, Wow. You know, I've been surfing once, which is shameful, hmm. shameful, shameful business. And I've visited, you know, when my friends, and it's usually when my friends from out of town come, because hmm. I live 20 miles or more from the water. I take them over. We go out to Malibu, I, whatever. You know what? I want to. I might take a trip down there, because I'll tell you, probably the last six, seven times I've been here, I have not. And I, so I don't get that smell. There's a different smell over yeah. there. And I'm, I'm always thinking about that. I'm, I want to go see that again, see it and smell that. So yeah. maybe this is the trip. I think you and I, I think that we owe it to each other yeah, as Midwesterners. Yeah, yeah. right, no, I'll say this. As, as, a, as a short addendum, so. I've been to the ocean more than five times, and I've seen it countless times. Yeah. But like actually going and putting my feet in it, yeah, maybe five times. Well, you know, six times, one eight time times. that's always for sure that I'm going to get a chance to see it is when I leave on the plane. Right. <laughs> yep. As, yeah, as, as long as over if it's, it's, I'll be leaving. I came during night, so I didn't see it. But I think I'm leaving when I leave. It'll be daylight still. So that's guaranteed. That, that's it. There's your ocean shot. So last <laughs> last thing before we kick your butt on out of here, you've got a brand new record. Uh, it's coming out later this year. We hope thereabouts. Yeah, working on it. The la- yeah. Druggies downstairs is what yeah, it's called. You've got a name. Yeah, well, I, p- I picked the name out. Yeah, Druggies downstairs is the title track. Uh, so it's about time because it was about a year and a half ago when the last record Giant came out. Yeah. So trying to get better with you know doing that. I know something like what. Artists can some can put out records every year, and that's how it used to be, right? Yeah. Like when people actually had budgets to do that, you know, right? You know, every year. Yeah. Uh, not as much anymore, but I'm terrible about that. I'm I'm on like I call it my Def Leppard schedule. 
Like every six <laughs> or seven years, I put out a record because I do. I'm a busy man. I do a lot of stuff. You're right. You know, music is. Yeah, just but like, how? But how many podcasts have you done? Oh, countless. So there you go. Tons, tons, tons. Not you, even counting. Cause I have I've a full time radio I've, gig on top of this. You know what? I've done zero. I produce. <laughs> I produce. So not counting this show, I produce yeah. uh, ten hours of radio a week on a commercial radio station. Wow. So um, there you go. And there yeah. was a time when it was twice that. Yeah. Because there was a period where I was producing 20 hours a week. So it's, it's anyway, I'm busy, guys. I'm trying to basically, uh, it's my excuse. Yeah. But I'm going to call it a reason. Anyway, Dorian Taj, man, thank you so much for coming out, spending time with us, uh, sharing your music. And you too, Aaron Baker. Always lovely to see you share your good guitar tone. Uh, and he got to use one of my uh, Leslie pedals on this yeah, uh, one of his songs awesome. as well. So, all right. So, thank you again to Dorian Taj and his wingman, Aaron Baker. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. To High Altitude, Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website, also a former Chicagoan. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Miss Chicago. Great Lakes Myth Society. That's a Michigan band. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything today, please be good to one another.